Uncensored, unfiltered, unhinged. It's the Corelcast. Listen daily on your favorite streaming service. We might never miss a Christmas no more. Ribbons on the door, waiting for the world to change. It is the Corelcast. I am Corel. So very glad you are joining me on this Monday. Uh, November 14th, November flying, flying by. Um, so there is a lot to talk about. Carrie Lake is probably going to lose in Arizona. The Democrat senator won uh, here in Nevada. Uh, the red wave was not. However, that is not the win for Democrats that the Democrats think. We're going to talk about that. Also, uh, Wakanda Forever is out. It is heralding the return of the big motion picture at the box office, almost $200 million weekend, which post-pandemic, that's been the largest opening of any movie. Uh, and proving Marvel, you know, really has a hold on the box office. Uh, but that being said, uh, there are a lot of people that are still uneasy with an all-black film. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, I didn't think we were going to, but we're going to. But before we do, my mentor, David G. Hall, once told me, very poignantly, as he was teaching me everything I know about radio, um, you have to talk about what's, what's on your mind. You can't hide it from the audience. You guys will know if my heart's not in it or if I'm hiding something from you, you'll know. So I just want to tell you that at this moment... I am shaken. And when I say shaken, I mean I am emotionally rattled. And that happens because I'm an empath, as you know. I'm empathetic. Uh, and because I get involved, maybe too much. So this morning, when Ember and I went to Desert Breeze Park, we were having a lovely morning. We ran into Heath and had a long, long talk with Heath. Uh, which is great. He's a great new friend. And his, his uh, ex-wife and fabulous woman, Laura, I adore her. She's a fabulous woman. She wears great clothing and accessories, and she's smart, and she's beautiful, and she's just, she's just a great woman. Uh, and their dog, Cowboy, is fabulous, too. So I love that Desert Breeze Park gave me that gift. It gave me the gift of Tyler Bannister. It gave me the gift of Dell and Harley and Heath and Laura and Cowboy. That park has really given me some gifts. And it, it's taught me about life and it's helped me be physically healthy. It's kept my heart healthy by providing hills that I run up. Uh, and socially, it has been very good for me during the pandemic uh, and, and other times to be out there in the sunshine, in the, in the sky, talking to people. That includes the homeless people. I don't limit my talking or my, my niceties to the housed. I am gracious to all I meet. I ask them questions. I get involved in their world. I, I speak to them as if they were housed. They just happen to live at my park. And while there are many you've heard me complain about or what we've gotten them thrown out of the park, there are some that live there that they're not hurting anybody or anything. They're fine. Do I want, do we all want to look at them? No, but they're not, they're not unsightly. They're, you know, anyway. So Jason is one of those people. He's African-American. Uh, he's handsome. He's in his 20s. Uh, he has a car. Now, I used to think that Jason was cruising the bathrooms because every morning when I would run on the non-soccer side of the park, I would see him directly in front of the men's rooms, either parked in his car 
or going to or from the men's room. So I thought, handsome black guy, cruising the bathrooms. I thought, in fact, there one time I, thought, I said to myself, well, if you weren't 60, you'd stop and say hi. Uh, but I started saying hello to him, and I noticed he fed the pigeons. There'd be thousands of pigeons, and Ember would run right through them, and she would get great joy out of it, and the pigeons would be annoyed. And so anyway, so the last three months, I've been saying hello to Jason. Uh, he has a, a car there, a truck, an SUV kind of thing, older, uh, and he has a girlfriend. Uh, and, you know, I would say hello to her as well. Although she was always in the car. She was never really out. That's why I thought he was cruising the bathrooms. I never really saw her. She was in the car. Uh, so this morning, we're jogging, and I, I have a lovely time talking to Heath and Dell and Harley, and uh, I made a Republican woman mad at me because she was mad that the Democrat won, and she's making all these, you know, I'm like, whoa, this is a little cold this morning. Probably a Democrat ordered it. And I'm like, you know what? I cornered her. I said, when you thought Adam Laxalt had won earlier in the week and you were so happy, what were you happy about? In other words, what is it specifically that Laxalt was going to do and Cortez Mastro is not going to do? So what is it that you think Adam Laxalt was going to do for the state that now you're unhappy is not going to happen for the state? And more importantly, since she's been senator, what has the state done wrong, in your opinion? She had none. She just did talking points, no specifics, and that got her mad. I'm like, oh, so you don't have an answer. I just kept saying that. Like, so you don't have an answer. You just have talking points. Well, he was going to restore the freedom to know. What does that mean? You know, so they, again, when you corner these people, they just, they have no, there's no substance there. And now they're turning on Donald and everything. So I made her mad. I said hi to Dell and Harley. Dell was remarking that now that he's old, he went online and saved hundreds of dollars. He gets cheaper internet. He qualifies for food stamps. Uh, if you're older and you qualify for social programs or discounts, please go get them online. Uh, and so we were talking. And then I went to the other side of the park where we actually do our, our real job. Well, I do the hills on one side and go jog on the other. Uh, and so we're jogging, and that's the side that Ember knows is just all business. There's no playing over there. Uh, so she's on the leash, and we just jog. So we're jogging, and the park police are there. They've been there a lot recently. I know them all. I've called them many times. I've spoken to their captain. I know most of the officers in the park police. There are 16 of them. Uh, and I see yellow tape. And so we jog around the yellow tape, and I see Jason sitting behind the yellow tape crying. Now, Jason's a nice guy, and he's certainly not the criminal element. I mean, not that I have seen. You don't know people, but, I mean, certainly nothing that I'd seen in my five-minute interactions with him every single morning led me to believe that he's a criminal or even a drug user, really. Just thought he was down on his luck. So he's crying, sitting on a tree stump behind police tape. Well, you know me. I got to stop. So I stop with Ember, and I'm all, Jason, what's wrong? And he looks at me, and he's just crying. And I look up at the police, and they won't say anything except stay on that side of the tape. And I look at him, and across the tape, he's literally like eight inches from me, and I'm like, Jason, what's wrong? And he's all, she's dead, she's dead, she's gone. She's. I said, who's dead? What's, what are you talking about? My girlfriend, my girlfriend. And then I look in the car, and his girlfriend's in the passenger seat, dead. So, not thinking, 
And when I say not thinking, you know, given today's, I don't know what she died of. She could have been COVID, could have been Ebola. I don't know. Not thinking, I immediately moved the yellow tape and hugged him. This crying, unhoused, bleary-eyed, white all around his mouth person. Uh, and I just hugged him uh, and said, I'm so sorry, Jason. I'm so sorry. No one had hugged him. The police certainly didn't. No one in the park that was gawking at it all or taking video had. Then the police said, you can't be on that side of the tape. And I'm like, well, first of all, here's my LAPD press credential. Yes, I can. But second of all, uh, you know, Jason, can you come out? And they said, yes, he can come out. And so he came out from the tape. I hugged him again, and he just stood bawling on my shoulder. And then I got him, a, you know, I put him back a little. I said, Jason, please tell me what happened. And he told me, you know, and then bawling and crying, you know, that we were in the back seat and she was okay. And, you know, everything was okay this morning. And then, you know, and then, and, and then we got up and, and then she got into the passenger seat and then she needed help. And then Jesus just took her. And he was crying again. And from that, I got, A, he still believes in Jesus after this. Uh, but I'd have issues. Uh, but B, um, the cop was writing down what he was saying because they weren't able to get anything out of him. Uh, and I, I just comforted him. That's all I could. Ju I just stood there. I said, Jason, there's nothing you could have done. There's nothing you can do now. You've got to take care of yourself now. She would want you to take care of yourself now. Now the police are treating him nicer and kinder because of me. Uh, and they even said thank you to me once I was done. But I looked at them. I said, can you help this man? I looked at the three cops in the corner. I said, are there resources for him? You're not just going to leave him here after you take the body. You know, you're going to help him, right? He is unhoused. He needs help. And they said, yes, yes. So I looked at Jason. I said, Jason, take the help they're giving you. She would want this for you. You know, you can't just, you got to take their help. You got to let, if, they, if there's a place they can bring you or a shelter, whatever, you've got to go. And he told me he would. And finally I said goodbye. Went over to the park employees, one of which was filming the whole thing. They asked me what had happened. I told them. Everyone was looking, but no one would go up. I, of course, go up, go through the tape, hug the guy. I thought the police were hassling him, and he's a nice guy. And I thought that they were hassling him and the girl in the car. I thought they were, like, maybe telling them they couldn't live there or whatever. I had no clue she was dead in the front seat. Was it COVID, Ebola? Was it drugs? Was it diabetes? Something as simple as she needed insulin. I don't know. And will they do an autopsy on an indigent? I don't know. Is she going to get buried? Will he be able to get her remains? No. Why? Because he doesn't have the money. Indigents here, the backup for cremation is six months in Las Vegas. I checked. I wanted to pay for the cremation right then and there. I wanted to tell him, look, here's my number. You know, We'll find a funeral home for her, but I don't have that money. And so I came home rattled that a woman that I spoke to yesterday morning and the morning before that and the morning before that, uh, that she's gone now. She's dead in her car, homeless, probably cold, but loved, loved, 
he loved her. And him, he has nothing, literally nothing. And the one thing that he did have is now gone. And he's devastated. And then I was a little selfish. What if she died of COVID? What if he's got it? He's hugging me. He's crying. He's, what if it's some other disease, Ebola? You know, so suddenly I was worried about my health. And I just looked at the universe and said, well, if you get me sick because I showed compassion, then, oh, well, I guess I get sick for showing compassion. But I, I'm rattled. I don't know her. I don't really know him just jogging by and feeding pigeons. Good morning. How are you? Oh, good. How was your day? Oh, good. You know, I don't talk like we're buddies. And yet, I just, he's so alone right now. He's so alone. I used to think being alone meant being in the middle of a field, in the middle of a forest, in the middle of a mountain range with no one all around and impending death everywhere. So I used to think alone was. Now at 60, I know you can be alone in an entire room full of people. Eight billion people in the world and you can be so lonely. 3 a.m. when you wake up, there's no one to call. And you're alone and scared. I wanted to help more than I did, more than I could, more than I... Sh I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that this person yesterday was here, today is not. This morning they woke up in their car and were doing their morning and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as he said, she needed help and then God just took her. And now I'm supposed to come home and have lunch and do a show for you guys and do social media and worry about my future and my career and my health. And, and yet for so many people today, for the parents of the football players at the university who just got shot, for just so many people today, their world is getting upended and it makes me want to scream at society. It makes me want to make people like Carrie Lake just disappear. Just go away. Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, DeSantis, just go away. Because when it boils down to the very bottom of it, you don't matter. You're nothing. You're maggots. Literal maggots feeding off the flesh of what's left of a corpse that was America. You're just maggots, appropriately named. Because the real heart of America, the real soul of America, if we are to exist, if whatever I'm about to talk about next, if it matters at all, the real heart has to be that when we see someone in pain, we grab them, we hug them. That when someone we see every morning dies, it bothers us. Nothing fucking bothers us anymore. Nothing bothers us. The planet's dying, oh, who fucking cares? You know, oh, you go to the grocery store and $100 worth of groceries now cost 200 Eh, so fucking what? No one cares. 
Most would pass by that crying man behind the police tape and stare. Most would videotape as they were. You have to stop. You have to stop. We just need to stop. We need to slow the hell down. Everything is flying so fast around us. It ends that fast. Then God just took her. It ends that fast. And what what really matters at that moment when you're in that pain? Connection. With a 60-year-old gay man and his dog. Maybe he and I, Jason and I, would never be even friends. But at that moment, that moment, stop. Pay attention. Feel. Of course, why would you? It ruins your day. It ruins your day, it, it makes you hurt, it makes you sad, it makes you angry. Why would you want to stop and get involved and feel? You know, Carrie Lake, she's evil. She's an evil woman. She says evil things and she's an evil, Gaussian blurred, horrible individual. And she doesn't matter. What she's saying, the things she professes are evil and should be given no thought. None. Because it doesn't matter at that moment. At that moment, all that matters is connection, love, compassion, empathy. These are things that so many people today don't have in their vocabulary. Mainly our politicians, the people we elect. Everyone acts like this red wave not happening is a good thing. And while it is a good thing, there was a red trickle. They still won, and they won some key races. These are fascist traitors led by a dictator gaining ground. As the New York Times editorial said, we should be very alarmed by that. It should have been an enormous blue wave, which it was for Gen Z. If you look how Gen Z voted, 80% of them voted blue. It's a, there was a large blue wave of the young. But middle-aged and older? Still voting for red? The fact that there's any red on a map should be alarming. It's the party of treason, of sedition, of removing rights from women and gays. It, it is everything that's wrong with America. And the fact that there's any dots of it anywhere should be so alarming. Not, oh, look, we held this, we held that. We should be alarmed that they have Congress now. The hands of Congress are in the hands of seditionist traitors. Treasons. Treasons. <laughs> Treasonous individuals. So instead of being alarmed, we, oh, no, look, we, no. We didn't win anything on Election Day. We didn't save democracy. We staved off the fall of it two more years. <sighs> Let's talk about something more fun than I can't shake Jason and his. And I saw her in the 
They were trying to keep her covered with the sheet, but they had to move the sheet to the windshield instead of over her. So they took it off of her when I was hugging Jason, and there she was. She looked peaceful. She didn't look contorted or distorted, or there wasn't a lot of fluids around her face or anything. I mean, she looked like she fell asleep and died. <sighs> so, one of my conversations this morning was about Wakanda. I, I decided to watch the uh, original Black Panther movie on Disney Plus last night. Uh, I had not seen it. Or if I did, I don't remember it. Uh, visually stunning, great performances. Chadwick Boseman, so handsome. Sorry, he's dead. Uh, all, everybody. Everybody's great in it. Um, Angela Bassett's fabulous. They're all, they're all great. It's beautiful. It's a great movie. It's a fun movie. It's very Marvel. You know, lots of superhero stuff and, you know, yet compassion and a bit of black activism. Uh, all wrapped into one, which is what Black Panther was supposed to be anyway as a comic, sort of a black activist comic. And I watched it yesterday, not the new one, because I'll go see that today or tomorrow. But I watched the, uh, the first one. And after watching it, I called Steve and I said, boy, blacks must really hate Hollywood. And he said, why? And I said, because, you know, watching this film, I think it's a great movie. I'm enjoying it. It's fabulous. That's wonderful. But there is only one white guy. And I noticed as a white person. I'm like, you know, there's one white character. One. Just one. And they make him feel very white. She even says, oh, great, another broke white boy for me to fix it. So was it racist in a way? Was it reverse racism? in a way, but it was great entertainment. And so I thought to myself, you know, ever since Hollywood was invented, blacks have been enjoying great entertainment that basically, I don't want to say pisses them off, but where they just don't see themselves. You know, you wonder why these black comedies and stuff like Medea and all that come out and they make so much money. It's because at least they see themselves on camera. At least they see people that look like them, act like them, talk like them. And so I get, like, for instance, today in the park, someone said to me, I'm not going to go see the new Wakanda. I think that's reverse racism to have an all black movie. And I said, did you think something like Citizen Kane was racist? They're like, well, no. Well, it's all white. I said, Star Wars. Princess Leia, the whitest woman on the universe. You know? Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, the three leads. White, white, white. When they did introduce a black character, Jar Jar Binks, oh, so black people have watched cinema for a hundred years and television and loved it, participated in it, watched it, talked about it, but never been a part of it. Maybe one character, maybe two. And not just blacks, gays, Asians. And so I said, I now know how they feel. Like, this is a great movie. I loved it. It was a great movie, the original one, and I bet the new one's going to be just as good. I loved it. I said, this is a great movie. But it would have been nice if there had been at least, you know, five white people in it. And I bet every black person that's seen every great movie since the beginning of movies 
has said, you know, that was a great movie, but they could have used a black person or two up in there. And so I thought, you know, should Hollywood, by the way, the story of Black Panther is supposed to be all black. That's what the comic is about. It was about black empowerment. But anyway, I'm like, okay, so let me get the numbers, okay? Because the United States can sort of skew you. We think over here, white, 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 because of all the white supremacy. And the same with Europe, white, 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 because of all the white supremacy. So I asked the computer, I said, what is, you know, what population of the world is white? First, I said black. So what is the black population of the world? How much, what percent of the world, the entire world, 8.3 billion people right now in your brain, what percent do you think are black? Come on, 50%, 40%, 30, 80, 20? What percent? What percent? Come on, give me a number. Come on, come on, quick, a number. Just quick. 25. 25%. I mean, Africa is a big place. What, you know, what percent are black? Are you ready? 13%. 13% of the world is black. Now, how much is white? <laughs> 8 billion people, you're thinking at least 4 billion people. At least half the world, 50%. I mean, we're white people. 14.5%. There are almost as many black people in the world as there are white. Let that blow your mind for a moment. There are nearly as many black people in the world as there are white people. And both are minorities. Both are under 20% of the entire world. Black people and white people only make up about 30% combined, black and white. 30, I'm gonna see, oh, sorry, tried to, I tried to stop it. 30% of the world is black and white, 30%. That's it, 30%. 70% of the world is not black or white, 60% are Asian, and 10% are others. I could list them if you like. Now, Asian does incorporate places like India, Places like, you know, well, places that are in Asia, Central Asia, North, you know, whatever. So when you think it's not just Chinese and Japanese, but there's all kinds of Asians, you know, Indonesia, you know, all of that. So 60% of the world is Asian. 8.3 billion people, over half are Asian. White people, less than 15%. Black people, less than 15%. So why do we spend so much time talking about whether there's too many black people or too many white people in Hollywood when there's clearly not enough Asians? <laughs> I mean, just clearly. If 60% of the world is not white or black, why is every movie released white or black? <laughs> because Hollywood didn't have a freaking clue, and neither do you. You, don't, you, did, you didn't know those numbers. You didn't know that a majority of the world is Asian, 60 plus percent. You didn't know that. You didn't know that blacks and whites are almost the same when it comes to world population and that they're both minorities. You didn't know that. That's some mind-blowing stuff. And so I say unto thee, Wakanda forever is not reverse racism. It's just a way for black people to see themselves in cinema. And if you as a white person don't like how you feel when you go see an all black movie or won't go see it because it's all black, 
Just remember, they've had to put up with all-white movies since the invention of movies. At least the blockbusters. Sure, you go to Africa, there's cinema there with all black people. Sure, you go to, you know, Brazil or Argentina, there's Argentinian cinema and Brazilian cinema. Of course, of course there is. There has to be, otherwise they would never see themselves. But the stars, the big, huge stars of motion picture and television, that's America and European films. That's it. That's who makes the big stars of the world cinema. I mean, other countries make science fiction. Other countries, we barely see it. But American films, even bad ones, get huge international releases. And those are the ones where it's either white or black. So a note to Hollywood. If you want to diversify, more crazy rich Asians. It is the Corel cast. I am Corel. Be who you want to be. So doesn't hurt anybody. We'll be back on Wednesday. Hopefully I won't be as rattled. I won't know anyone that died uh, or happened upon a scene or someone. Make your device a whole lot smarter. Get the Corel cast app free at the app store of your choice now.